Welcome to another episode of Brain Buzz, where we delve in the fascinating world of neurosciences and brain health. I'm your host, Dr. Kimon Bekelis. And I'm your co-host, Jason Wallen. Thank you for joining and tuning in uh, for yet another time. Uh, this has been a very fascinating and exciting podcast. Um, you know, today we want to talk a little bit about a, um, a disease that's not as common as stroke or brain aneurysms or carotid disease that we've discussed before, uh, but certainly can be extremely devastating, especially in younger patients, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to talk today a little bit about arteriovenous malformations. That's, a, that's a kind of a mouthful. It sounds like you're casting a Harry Potter spell. That is exactly right. Um, so uh, why don't you just explain what that is? Because that, that is... Yeah, so, so an arteriovenous malformation is an abnormal connection between an artery and a vein. Normally, arteries bring blood from the heart into the brain, and then the blood delivers nutrients, and then it comes out of the brain, into the veins, and into the heart, right? And... Uh, the way it works is that you have blood coming from the heart, you know, with, with high pressure. Um, it's pumped really high pressure. And then it slows down while it does its work in the brain. And then it comes out really slow into the vein. That slowing down process happens in small blood vessels called capillaries. So if you have this malformation where there's no capillaries and you go straight from the high pressure into the low pressure, that's what an arteriovenous malformation is. A high pressure conduit dumping blood into a low-pressure conduit. And as you can understand, like I've said before, this is just plumbing. If you put a lot of pressure into a conduit or a vessel that's used to not seeing that high pressure, it'll, it can break. It can rupture. You can have a brain bleed. And that's the concern with arteriovenous malformations. That's exactly what an arteriovenous malformation is. So it's a serious condition that we have to worry about. It is absolutely one that is extremely serious. The risk of rupture or bleeding from an arteriovenous malformation, believe it or not, is higher than the average risk of rupture from a brain aneurysm. And we all know about brain aneurysms, but arteriovenous malformations are not as common. And therefore, we don't talk about them as much, but they have a much higher risk of bleeding uh, than in a brain aneurysm. So is there, uh, you know, a lot of our diseases tend to affect elderly patients more. Uh, AVMs, we're going to just use the short uh, version. Yes, version AVMs of it stands to, for arteriovenous malformation. Yes, so, so AVMs, um, what, how does that affect the age population? So, so an AVM, generally speaking, is something that uh, develops or, you know, you're born with, for the most part, for, with arteriovenous malformations. So they have the potential to rupture at any stage in your life, when you're very young or, or when you're older. But as you can imagine, having that AVM for a very long time, chances are it'll rupture at a younger age than as compared to the other diseases that are more a disease of the elderly, just because it has an earlier time of onset. A brain aneurysm will develop down the line in your 40s, in your, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s. An AVM will be there will have been there up until that point. So much higher risk of rupture in younger population. When you're looking at stroke or brain bleeds in children, mm -hmm. almost always uh, a brain bleed in a child is the result of a ruptured arteriovenous malformation. I mean, and as a parent, uh, right. you know yourself. Both even, of us, yes. Yes. Um, I mean, I, that, that is kind of nerve-wracking. Absolutely. Hear. So what signs and symptoms would we look at in general, and then maybe we can look at the children separately. Right. So, so there's not, um, when it comes to signs and symptoms, unfortunately, the AVMs tend to be silent um, until the day they rupture, you know, where they would cause a horrible headache, neurologic compromise, um, and general neurological symptoms. And we've spoken about these signs and symptoms for stroke in our previous podcast. But we know when you get these face, arm, speech 
problems uh, or when you're having this horrible headache, that could be an indication of an AVM rupture. So there's not, there's not a lot of good signs before that happens. Um, there's some situations where you might feel your, or hear your heartbeat in your ear, what we call pulsatile tinnitus. Um, that can be an indication of that abnormal flow, and that abnormal flow might be the result of an arteriovenous malformation. In children, especially if an AVM is large enough and complex enough that it's causing this weird sound in somebody's ear, um, or when it's changing the blood flow in such a dynamic way, you can see a slew of symptoms before an AVM ruptures. It can be chronic headaches that the child is having, and of course, don't ignore headaches in children, uh, or headaches in adults when they're different than their regular headaches. A different nature or character of a headache really should be an indication that you should be looking into it a little bit more. Uh, and uh, when it comes to children, again, you can have all these different presentations, but also behavioral changes. And so really pay attention, listen to your child, and, and if, if something like that developed, obviously, you would want to get it looked at a little bit further. So don't just dismiss it as they, they're on their phone too much, they're on right. screen time too much. Right, right, right. But, you know, I guess if it's correlating with that, you know, you, you can be a little more safe, but, uh, you know, you want to be safer than sorry. So imaging-wise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what are we looking at? So imaging these days is extremely safe and extremely effective in detecting arteriovenous malformations, especially the larger ones, right? So if you have concern child or adult, the first test you typically do is an MRA. An MRA is an MRI test. A stands for angiography. It looks specifically at the blood vessels. Generally speaking, there's no contrast with this test and there's no radiation involved. So it's a very simple test, doesn't affect the body, and you get an answer. Um, If there are sometimes MRAs have their limitations, you have to do an angiogram to better understand. Angiogram is a procedure through the groin where we take pictures of this of these diseases, in in some cases we have to go that route just because um, if we if we cannot find something in the MRA, if the suspicion is high enough, but by and large you would be able to see something on the MRA to begin with that will create the suspicion. Now, when you find an AVM, then the next step is almost always a diagnostic angiogram because that's going to give you an understanding of the complex anatomy. These are very complex lesions. They're very complex because their structure and their grading scale will get us an understanding of how to best treat them and if we need to treat them also. Um, and so an angiogram is key in identifying what's going to happen with an arteriovenous malformation. And th- these tests, um, both the, in, uh, the non-invasive being the MRA and the right. invasive being the angiogram, right. minimally invasive, uh, they are okay for children as well. Right. Absolutely. So, of course, you know, with children, we want to minimize radiation, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we decide to go the angiogram route, it's when we're absolutely certain that we are dealing with an arteriovenous malformation. Um, that being said, the amount of radiation is not that significant anyway uh, for a child. And we frequently, you know, we've, we've done angiograms in, in you know, uh, in children as, mm-hmm. as young as two or three days old when they have a very devastating arteriovenous malformation that you have to address. So, you know, don't be afraid of this workup. As long as there is a target that can be life-threatening, that can end the child's life, you have to be aggressive and deal with these issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, personal story is uh, we got a phone call from my son's school one time. Right. And he complained about a headache. And it was like somebody, uh, he said he felt like somebody hit him in the back of the head. Right. And being in the field that we're in, right away, I 
left work, took a, picked them up, got, right. took them right to an imaging center, and got an MRA. And I have the you know access to you, so you you, you rejected <laughs> it out for me. Uh, thank you. Much, of course. But, and everything was fine. And you know he was 13 at the time, so. You know, there was no problems getting an MRA, uh, except for he just didn't want to do it when get, we got there. Yeah, get of course, but get the imaging study, right? You know, the imaging study is has no impact on you. The upside of not diagnosing an AVM that's about to rupture mm-hmm. is massive. It can it can change or end a child's life. Yeah. So you don't want to play with those. No, and, and actually, I feel so much at ease now that I know right. that... You know, he's cleared for the most part from brain aneurysms, AVMs. Right, right. You know, barring anything, you know, extraordinary. But he, there's nothing going on right now we have to worry about. So when he complains Absolutely. about a headache, I can say it's too much screen time. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, no, I agree with you. So if you have an AVM, you know, like you said, you're going to get an MRA. It's picked up on the MRA. You're going to get an angiogram. Right. Now, these are treatable. How so? Um, so there are three general ways we treat arteriovenous malformations uh, with. And so one is endovascularly. Endovascularly means through the groin or through the wrist. Follow that artery all the way up into the brain and find those abnormal connections and shut them down with glue. Uh, it's not the Kmart kind of glue. Uh, more, more so uh, it's a polymer. And it's called Onyx, the one that's available commercially right now. And what it does is the second it, it encounters blood, it polymerizes and it blocks. It turns into a cast, a solid cast. It looks like lava, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then it shuts down those abnormal connections. Every nook and cranny, every little abnormal connection, it shuts down. Uh, so that's one treatment option. The other treatment option is surgery. Skin incision, remove part of the bone, go deep, take out the AVM, put everything back together. The third option is called radiosurgery. Radiosurgery is a single-shot radiation treatment that just affects the AVM with very little impact in the surrounding brain. And contrary, say, for example, to cancer radiation where you go for multiple sessions, 30, 50 sessions, this is typically a one, for the most part, one type of, one session type of treatment. And so over time, the AVM starts shrinking and eventually goes away. Rarely only one treatment is effective fully for the treatment of arteriovenous malformation. Generally speaking, we employ multiple different treatments with the goal to completely eradicate an arteriovenous malformation. So you would say embolize an arteriovenous malformation with onyx and then take it out or partially embolize it and take it out or perform radiosurgery and say if it doesn't necessarily work, then embolize it down the line, maybe another uh, bout of radiosurgery. And so all these are coming together to, to have the optimal outcome. And it's really different tools we have uh, in our armamentarium to really uh, have an impact on this disease. So, you know, obviously uh, our team um, of, you know, we're, we're all well-versed and trained in all these treatment options. And so if, if uh, you were to see somebody in the Stroke and Brain Aneurysm Center of Long Island, we would determine what is the right treatment for you for that arteriovenous malformation. And that's the beauty of these days having both open and endovascular training that you're able to make the appropriate determination of what you need to uh, employ to just treat the disease. At the end of the day, we're all here to treat the disease and everything is a tool to get this, to get us to that outcome. And, uh, you know, I know this because um, I've been doing this for a long time, but uh, AVMs can be complex. They're al- almost always extremely complex. Few and far in between are simple. And sometimes uh, they require, like you had said, besides having 
each different type of treatment stacked on top of each other. Right. You might have stage treatments where you embolize slowly depending upon how complex it is and how big it is. Absolutely. It can be a staged approach. That's why we have all these treatment options and that's why you need to be in a comprehensive stroke center like the Stroke and Brain Aneurysm Center of Long Island because that's how you'll have all the different specialists render opinions and recommendations and kind of coordinate care and to get you to the best outcome. And as we, our last episode, we were talking to Dr. Ahmad and you get to see him afterwards. Right. And you get to stay in the night suites we were talking about. Exactly right. So five stars. <laughs> um, so we'll look at some of the questions yeah. um, that we have from our listeners. And... So this is from somebody from perspective that they have a known AVM, right. but it's untreated. Right. What are the potential risks and complications of leaving my AVM untreated, and how can that impact the quality of my life in the long run? Right. So leaving an AVM untreated, you know, not every AVM needs treatment, right? Location is important. Anatomy, structure, everything is important. So sometimes we might recommend that you don't get the AVM treated uh, if, if the risk of rupture is low and... If, it, if there is rupture, it's not going to have a significant impact. We might not recommend treatment at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we monitor it because things change, but we might not initially. But if we do recommend treatment, then most likely that's something that needs to happen. If you don't get that AVM treated, there's a more than likely chance that there'll be a rupture They'll, at some point in your life, right? And it's, um, you know, you're playing the odds. I was going to say uh, rolling the dice. You're rolling the dice every year. You know, you're taking that risk, whatever that risk is, 3%, 6%. Depending on your AVM, you're taking that risk. The problem is if you're young, it's, uh, it's like the stock market. It's compound interest. That, that risk is compounding over time. So the longer your runway, the higher the chance you'll rupture. It almost becomes a certainty to some extent if you're very young. And so how will your life be impacted if there's a rupture? It can end. You know, it can be a fatal event. Uh, or... It can result in significant neurologic compromise. And when neurologic function goes, most of the times, especially from a bleed, you cannot really get it back fully or at all. And so, you know, if you're blessed enough to know that you have an arteriovenous malformation before it ruptures, follow the recommendation of your doctor. And if the recommendation is to treat it, then go ahead with it. Knowing about an aneurysm or an AVM before it causes any symptoms is a blessing in disguise. So don't try to uh, ignore it. Uh, put your head in the sand. Put your head in the <laughs> sand. Um, that can have, and I can, you know, Jason and I have endless stories of folks who did not really listen to that recommendation. And then um, we had to, uh, you know. Um, share some bad news with their family. Share some bad news with their family when, when they came in from a rupture and they were brain dead. You know, so so these are really, really heartbreaking stories. And so really, really listen to these recommendations uh, from your uh, provider. I think that's so important because unlike a lot of the diseases that we deal with and treat, AVMs do affect the younger population and right. the younger population who, you know, there's, if there's no signs of this going on, it's not impacting their life right then and there. Right. They want to go about living their life. Exactly. And that's where you see the worst case scenarios where they, you know, I'd rather go on vacation. I don't want to get treated or I don't want right. this to, uh, you know, disrupt my life. Right, right, right. There's a, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people who, um, I say that often, you know, the problem, the challenge we face with cerebrovascular disease stroke, brain aneurysms, AVMs, all that stuff, is they don't really hurt. So, you know, if you have a blockage in the heart, generally speaking, you'll be getting chest pains here and there. 
some warning signs. There's no pain most of the times that comes from cerebrovascular disease. And so people tend to ignore uh, cerebrovascular disease because it doesn't hurt and it doesn't affect their everyday life. But when it does cause trouble, that trouble is um, universally uh, extremely bad and it's life altering or life ending. And so you guys be very aware. And again, awareness is key, right? A lot of times you ignore these things because you don't know about the negative impact, mm-hmm. right? So so um, not to be extremely critical, it is, it is our nature. If we don't know what can happen, we're not gonna act on it, right? And so I think part of our mission and part of what we're doing this podcast is to get the word out and get you guys aware so that then you can act upon oh, any any finding like that. Oh, for sure, I mean, that's that's why we're here. Uh, another question would be, are there any long-term effects or risks associated with having an AVM even after treatment? So, n- if the AVM is completely treated, no. The chance of it coming back is practically zero uh, if an AVM is fully treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, AVM, if an AVM is not fully treated, yes, of course, there's, there's risks down the line. But if your AVM is treated and you survived an AVM, you're free. Um, you don't have to worry about it in the future. Now, will you, will you follow that patient still? Yeah, we do follow patients with cerebrovascular disease, especially with a large malformation such as this, but it's more of a prevention than anything else. Our, our concern or our chance of our, our, uh, our belief that it, com- it might come back mm-hmm. is, is very low. So if, if I'm a patient that ha- I have an AVM, but it's not, you don't recommend treatment, how are you going to monitor that or what should I be looking so if for? So if we don't believe that the AVM needs treatment or the fistula needs treatment, then, then we would do MRAs or non-invasive tests uh, every few months uh, or every year and monitor these. And if they do change, then obviously you would reconsider mm-hmm. uh, your recommendation, maybe another angiogram, maybe a decision for treatment at that time. So you keep a close eye on Absolutely. Uh, this is an inter- interesting question. Um, are there any lifestyle changes like ex- exercise or dietary adjustments that I can make to manage the symptoms or slow down the progression, I guess? Of, of the, the AVM? Disease? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it was an interesting question. Yeah, so the, uh, the answer is no. The, um, no pun intended, but the AVMs have a mind of their own, right? They will, their natural history is their natural history. Nothing you do in terms of uh, environmental factors or exercise or anything else will affect that natural history. Uh, they are um, a wild beast and uh, a very dangerous one. And, and so there's not a lot of things that we can do other than, of course, treat them if they need it. There's not a lot of things that we can do to change their natural history. Yeah, and, and a couple questions um, that people pose, of course, are sign the symptoms. Right. Which not you, not many, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not like we discussed. There's not a lot of signs and symptoms. It is it is those one of those diseases that it ruptures. Mm-hmm. You know about it. So you you had described uh, pulsatile tinnitus or earlier, right? Um, as the heartbeat you hear now, you 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 mean more consistent, than right? Just I'm in, right, I'm right, in a room right, right. by myself, or I was just doing so something. all of us, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. So that's a very good point because people might. Uh, <laughs> might think that they have an Going AVM the stairs, every time they hear. Winded, I'm, right. I'm having an AVM. So, so all of us will hear our heartbeat from time to time. Our blood pressure is high. We're, you know, we're dehydrated or whatever it is that's going on or quiet room in the middle of the night. That can happen. But if it's consistent, it's always there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's persistent. It's never happened before, but it doesn't go away over a period of weeks. Um, and then you need to get uh, looked at by a neurointerventionalist. 
So if you have those symptoms, right, but you're not going to be the AVM is not going to be treated. Is there a way to help relieve those symptoms? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it's mainly learning to live with the symptoms, right? Uh, I think I think it's unlikely that you will have symptoms from an AVM, and we would recommend no treatment, to be honest with you. Um, and, and so I think that's that scenario is very very unlikely. Uh, but but certainly, unless you get it out, none of the symptoms will really be addressed. And uh, you know, another symptom that can happen, for example, seizures. You know, these these are stimulating to the brain; they can cause seizures. Um, if you say you don't recommend treatment, you go on seizure medications to prevent uh, more seizures. But that being said, depending on what the AVM looks like, it's rare that we would not recommend treatment if they are symptomatic. Okay. For a patient who has undergone embolization for right. AVM, what is the typical rec- recovery process like? Uh, it's very straightforward. So an embolization uh, is through the groin, through the wrist, you know, those arteries. We navigate our catheters and wires. We go into these abnormal connections. We shut them down. Typically, you stay in the hospital for a day, uh, and then you would go home afterwards. Embolization is rarely done solo, Mm -hmm. it's typically a step to something else. So we embolize an AVM to decrease the blood flow in it so that we can do surgery to take it out. And in those settings, you do the embolization, say today, and tomorrow you're taking out the AVM in the operating room. So because embolization tends to be a stepping stone, uh, we rarely talk much about its recovery because you have to recover from something bigger, which is the Mm -hmm. surgery down the line, right? Uh, and, And so... However, if you have an AVM that's really, really small, one inflow, one outflow, easy to shut down, and you embolize it, you would be going home the next day. So if, you, if you're going to have surgery, what's that recovery process uh, like? It depends on what the, the AVMs are very different, right? For aneurysms, they're kind of all kind of similar, uh, recovery similar. With AVMs, it depends on where they are, how complex they are, what you need to do. In general terms, you'd be in the hospital for two to three days. Um, and assuming that everything went well and there's no need for rehabilitation, you'd be going home after that. Um, very important in the post-operative care or of arteriovenous malformation surgery is blood pressure control. We keep the blood pressure really low because an AVM is a, is a malformation that changes the flow dynamics rapidly. And when you take it out, you change those flow dynamics again. Mm-hmm. And so you can, bleeding can happen because now the brain is not used to the new flow pattern in that area. And so that's the important part of keeping somebody in the hospital to monitor and prevent that from happening. And uh, the, the other treatment that you talked about, uh, radiosurgery. Right. Um, the, qu- the question I have is, uh, for someone who's undergone radiosurgery, what are right. the long-term effects? Right. And how often should follow-up imaging or checkups occur to monitor the results of the treatment? Great question. So for radiosurgery, like we said, it doesn't work right away. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of time to work. The blood vessels start shutting down, and, and that malformation goes away. Um, it is generally very effective depending on the type of malformation. Mm-hmm. You monitor folks because, again, it doesn't go away right away. So every six months to a year, you need to perform an angiogram to see how things are, uh, and eventually these go away. The other thing is um, that complications are very rare with uh, stereotactic radiosurgery, right, uh, SRS. They are very rare. What is, um, what can happen though, in some arteriovenous malformations, we can have what we call radiation necrosis where the tissue reacts to the radiation, the tissue of the AVM and around it, and might have a more loud um, 
reaction to the radiation. So you can get a lot of swelling in that area. And that were that were to happen, we would treat it with steroids, we would monitor you. That's generally rarely malignant enough to require surgical intervention. Most of the times with medical management, we're able to address it and eventually the swelling goes down and you move into the next path of your life. So, so these are kind of the general terms when it comes to complications of SRS. So for somebody who's being treated with SRS, right. because it's, it's not a one and done treatment, is there any restrictions that would be recommended? Because you, now you have this AVM, you're, you're living right. with it. I, I'm, you know, I'm right. sure people are, are paranoid that something's going to happen. Yeah, great question. So no, there's no real restrictions, right? There's nothing you can do externally to affect it. Um, and you have to understand if, if you're getting radio surgery, that risk over time is probably getting smaller for rupture as the AVM is going away, but there's still a risk. Mm -hmm. You know, the AVM is still around. But there are some AVMs where you cannot take them out. They're deep in the mm -hmm. brain. They're dangerous, but you can't take them out. In that case, you have to do the radio surgery and accept that two, three-year risk that's slowly going away with the expectation that once it's gone, the risk goes to zero. Uh, but there's not much you can do to mitigate the risk. Thank you. Um, I mean, that's it for questions. Super. Yeah. yeah excellent. And so, um, you know, AVMs, again, really, really interesting pathology, very challenging to deal with. We deal with it all the time. And uh, it certainly, uh, it, uh, it, it, it gives us uh, gives us anxiety also as much as it gives the patients. But no, it's certainly one of those diseases that needs to be respected. And, and uh, um, I think, I think, uh, if you take a methodical approach to an arteriovenous malformation, listen to your primary care provider and to your neurosurgeon, neurointerventionalist, the chance that you have a good outcome is extremely high. Uh, and um, you know, I, um, I urge everybody who has been diagnosed with an arteriovenous malformation to really seriously look into them and, and uh, maybe pursue treatment. And come into a comprehensive, comprehensive drug center, I'm sure. Is key, absolutely. Is definitely beneficial. Absolutely overall. key. And, uh, with that, thank you, Jason. I want to thank, thank you guys you. for uh, tuning in uh, and listening to this uh, episode of Brain Buzz. You can always uh, find us uh, on YouTube, so subscribe to our channel, uh, or uh, reach out to us through our website, www.strokearlongisland.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.